When you think about the delivery of healthcare, there's a lot that needs to happen before and after the actual caring for the patient part. Think of all the bookings and preparation and coordination before a consultation or a procedure. Then afterwards, all the documentation, the tests, the requests and the referrals. Without the help of the right technology, there's absolutely no doubt that clinicians would be overwhelmed with non-value-adding tasks that ultimately pull them away from what they got into healthcare for in the first place, which is looking after patients. One organization on a mission to improve efficiencies in clinical documentation is TPRO. And I'm joined in this conversation by their CEO, Jonathan Larby. We're going to talk about the burden of documentation for clinicians, the impact that admin staff shortages have on the healthcare system, the need for bespoke solutions for healthcare systems, and some advancements in speech recognition technologies that exist today. Collaboration starts with the conversation team, Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. With me today is Jonathan Larby, CEO of TPRO. They're a global leader in clinical documentation software, and they bring to the table cloud-based or on-premise clinical documentation solutions to enable workflow for efficient and accurate speech recognition, medical transcription, messaging and coding. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. Great to have you on the show, all the way over on the other side of the world. The powers of podcasting bring us together, so thank you very much for making the time. Yeah, no, no problem at all. Excellent. Keen to jump into it and learn a bit more about TPRO, but firstly, set the scene. Tell us about you and your background. My background is a little bit of a mismatch. So I was, I was playing rugby for a few years, then came to a point where no one was really paying me to do that. So I had to get a proper job. <laughs> and I was working with, with friends of mine and this was at the height of the recession in Ireland. So every second property was, was to let and jobs were gone. You know, people pulling out of the country, there was, there was nothing really happening. And our business wasn't going very well, to be honest. We were sort of sat around trying to figure out what we could do with our lives. And we started two companies, one being TPRO, which we can talk about now. The other one, weirdly, was an insolvency restructuring firm. Uh, so I spent two years doing insolvency and restructuring work whilst TPRO was on the, on the back then, gestating, as it were. Yeah. Wow, there you go. Cool. Well, TPRO, tell us about that, what it is, you know, who's it for, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So TPRO, we started out like essentially as an outsourcing provider. So what we were doing was just providing a, we went sort of cloud-based first as our real USP, and that allowed us to take audio files and transcribe them. Basically, we were providing an overnight service for law firms initially. And that's mainly, again, sort of recession-based. Your firms didn't want to have very expensive legal secretaries doing sort of low-value work like typing. So we were providing this service for them, and we took some client service software, and we kind of crowbarred it into the cloud and tried to generate this kind of lean business model where we could have secretaries and staff dialing in from home. And then once we'd set that up, we very quickly sort of pivoted into healthcare, mainly because... The volume of that outsourcing requirement was a lot higher. It was just a natural thing. So organically, clients started coming to us looking for the service. And we realized that a, a hospital with 500 clinicians is a lot more lucrative than, let's say, a 10-person law firm. 
Yeah. Was this about 12 years ago, did you say? Yeah, probably about 10 years ago, maybe. So 2012, really, we're, we're talking about here. And then on the back of that, we just sort of learned about the business. We learned about healthcare. We started to develop little bits of software to sit around this client server thing that we had in the cloud. And the business analysis that we were doing made it very obvious to us the need to automate a lot more stuff and how unscalable this just manual typing, producing letters, just constantly dealing with backlogs was. So we borrowed some money from the bank, went off and invested in our own platform. And, and we developed a fully cloud-based workflow platform to produce documents in one way or another. We developed proprietary speech recognition technology. And in the early days, that was fairly immature, but it did a job to automate some of that process of, of actually doing typing. So our typists became editors and they were cleaning up and formatting letters rather than typing everything from scratch. And then from there, we've sort of built out these processes around the workflows in hospitals. So we do everything now from upstream, as soon as an appointment is scheduled within a, an EPR, we can do a patient communication piece. We can send out surveys and things like this. We have a telehealth so part to the platform where we can do video consultations, all automated. And um, so all of the invites get sent out automatically. We have a screen where clinicians and admin staff can manage virtual telephone and face-to-face -face consultations all within one consolidated view. So it's like a virtual waiting room. We automate all of the attendance and reporting from that piece. And then of course the documentation is all built into that. So we, over the years, developed a lot of very clever speech technology, both what's called ASR, which is just automatic speech recognition and the sort of the more NLP, NLU, which is actually mining data and abstracting stuff from the text and using the transcribed text to get closer to the final output you want, whether that be a structured document or all the way through to kind of codified problems, diagnoses, things like this. I was going to say, because the AI software that we use here at Talking Health Tech for podcasting doesn't do a great job with my Australian accent. So the the reading of, of that literally just puts it down on what it thinks I said. But so you say it takes that and then bases it on, you know, what it knows about healthcare and the data that it's got. They've said this, which probably means they want to type this. Yeah. And there's, there's levels to that, right? So one of the very interesting things about AI is, and you know, the AI in inverted commas, is that everybody is really focused on these kind of what, what are called end-to-end -end models. And what that really means is they think if you get a big enough computer and you throw enough data at it, you'll get what you want coming out the other end. This thing is just a black box. And a lot of the stuff that Google is releasing is using those kind of models and you see all the latest kind of BERT models and things like this. And the one called Bloom now, I think it's called, which is just this huge multi-billion parameter model, which is completely unusable for anybody who isn't Google because the compute cost of running a model that size is just insane and developing it and everything. The majority of companies like ourselves, when you talk about AI, there's a little bit of that, but then you layer on all of the rule-based stuff and the logic and the post-processing. So this is why a Google, for example, will not really be able to do medical speech recognition to the point where it produces the right documents as an output. You'll be able to transcribe a conversation or transcribe a podcast quite well. And the bar is higher, obviously, in healthcare because, you know, hypo versus hyper and things like this, you need to be more understanding in the context and you need to layer in a bit of that 
some smarts on the back end. I think that's a really good perspective on that point that comes up a fair bit, which is AI in healthcare, well, isn't Google or a very or a very large tech organization just going to do it all. But as you very rightly point out, a big challenge with AI in healthcare is trust and any AI solution that acts like a black box that you put data in and it spits out something and you don't know what it did to it to give you back that output. It usually doesn't land very well in, in a healthcare setting because from a clinician's point of view, they're using it to usually guide a decision, especially if it's going to be making a clinical decision, like not actually providing a diagnosis. There's all of the need for it to be able to demonstrate, you know, how it's come up with this and provide some alternatives and all that kind of thing, which is not how a lot of it works on that, that big tech end of town. So I can see the, the use case there and the importance of having that specific capability within healthcare when it comes to the, the medical transcription. So that makes a lot of sense. So there's the transcription side is like one element with T-Pro, right? There's all the other bits and pieces you do too. Yeah, that, and that's that's to be honest, that's still the core of the business. So what we're really major on is still that documentation workflow. So we create documents within hospitals, whether that be old-fashioned transcription workflow. So instead of talking into an analog tape recorder, which still happens, by the way, in, in a lot of hospitals, we have apps <laughs> and things like this. Yeah, in the app workflow, for example, it's you can can you pull in provider schedules so they can select a patient and then you eliminate that sort of patient identification problem and the risks associated with that. And then can you take that audio recording and produce a first draft of the document before it goes to the targets? And that's been proven, you know, within our own organization, the outsourcing piece. In the very early days, we had a 70% increase in productivity. And this is now to the point where when people come to us looking to buy an outsourcing service, we say, well, why don't we implement the system? and give you the speech recognition and then you tell us in six months if you still need the outsourcing. In the main part, they don't. It's all about generating these efficiencies. And then you, you go from that to, okay, well, if we have this sort of speech recognition capability, are there instances where the clinicians just want to use that in what we call a front-end scenario? So this is real time. This is kind of, I talk and the words appear on screen in front of me. And that that is really useful in certain circumstances. You have to kind of be aware that it's only certain circumstances. If I'm a clinician, I'm in a consultation room doing outpatient appointments and I have a MacBook in front of me and 10 minutes between patients and I can, I can sort of log into my EMR and do the documentation, then that's great. And we have the ability for them to, you know, if they don't want to edit it or if they just want to do a quick one and send it through, or if they need to attach blood to internet, like they can still send it. They can still send it through the workflow. So it can still go to the secretary, go to the editor to have a look at or, or do any kind of secondary stuff that needs to happen. But that doesn't work if you're doing a ward round and you're going bed to bed. You don't want to have to go log into a terminal each time you see a patient. It's a, it's a, waste, of, it's a waste of time. And we've done sort of time motion studies around this in numerous different hospitals. And one of them was really sort of telling him that just on that ward round piece, we did a whole project in, a, in an ICU environment. And they had a requirement where, because the doctors change over periodically, and they have this sort of transfer of care requirement where they need all of the notes from the previous time the doctor saw the patient, which is, I think it's every hour, on their medical record within an hour. If there's a changeover, the previous doctor can see what's been done. So what they were doing to get this one hour turnaround is between patients, they were going to a terminal, logging in, and it was 36 steps in their EPR to get to the point where they can enter a note. And then they picked up a microphone and started dictating in with Dragon or, or whatever they had there. And it was just bananas. And there was 38% of their time when we just literally followed them around for a 
shift. And 38% of their time was spent doing that documentation piece. We developed an app where we had sort of the beds listed and they go to the end of the bed and they could either scan a QR code on the chart or they could just select the bed from a, a list and they dictate their note. It goes off through the speech recognition so they don't need to worry about it happening. It goes off through the speech recognition and we set a benchmark. So we said like 95% accuracy and all of these kind of speech recognition models give you a perceived accuracy. And so if it was greater than 95% accurate, it just comes back to them on their phone and they can review the note, sign it, and it's on the EMR. And if it's not that level of accuracy, then it got sent to an outsourcing team and they, they cleaned it up and we had a special kind of one hour service or whatever. And it was when we sort of reviewed that then there was only something like 3% of notes that went to the, the outsourcing team to clean up. And typically that was when they had, they were eating up and doing the dictation at the same time <laughs> and this kind of stuff. Um, bad quality audio or, or something like that. Well, they've covered their microphone up on their phone and things like this, you know. And so they, they kind of got dealt with. And actually it freed up something like, I think it was, it was a mad amount of time. So in a, in a shift on an ICU ship, it created about one hour and 20 minutes. I'm going to say this is all on our website, by the way, you can go and have a look at the case study, but about an hour and 20 minutes of doctor's time. So if you had three clinicians on that shift doing rounds on the ICU in a day, you're saving four hours, which is how many patients can you then see in that time rather than typing into an EDR? That's the kind of key for us. That's what we want to be doing. If you've been kicking around this industry a bit like me, or maybe even you're brand new to digital health, you've probably worked out that health tech is not an individual sport. Whatever you're trying to achieve, whether you're delivering healthcare for patients, or you're building health technology, or perhaps you're helping deploy solutions across health systems, you need a tribe, a community of like-minded individuals who just get it that if we're going to transform healthcare, then technology is going to play a huge part in it. So to learn and connect about health tech and level up your game, consider joining our THT Plus membership community. We've got options for every stage of growth, whether you're a solo individual or a startup or scale-up company. As an individual, you get access to our exclusive community forum, you get a warm intro to two other members from me each month, you get free access to our quarterly virtual summits and a bunch of other exclusive goodies. Companies can bring team members into the community, plus you get a presence on our website as a THT Plus member, you can post content like news events and jobs, and of course we love to showcase our members, so when you join as a company THT Plus member, you'll get to appear on this podcast with your very own episode. This podcast is made possible through the support of our members, it's literally the heart of everything we do, so consider joining as a THT Plus member, you can join anytime online, just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash THT plus. Such a great example. I think about that though, you went down originally the route of the outsourcing side and then created the software, which is all things considered, you know, the, the typical route for a, a scaling business to go because you're able to then provide even in theory, provide even more customers with a standardized solution through a software package. But, you know, by tying in the, the outsourcing piece as well, it's a good way to catch a lot of those, those elements. I know that, you know, but healthcare is remarkably, it's difficult to roll out a, a standardized solution to all different health systems. No health system is the same. I, I know that that's kind of very front of mind for you as well. How do you kind of reconcile that whole, here's a, a bit of software that we've created to, you know, allow a scalable approach to get this out to everyone versus the need of healthcare being very bespoke on a case-by-case -case basis? 
Yeah, I, I think that's that's a really interesting kind of point, and it's probably a differentiator for us and um, why we've maybe been successful to date. We've sort of with a few kind of what we call our kind of core standards, company ethos type stuff. One of the main ones is that we're providing a service, and we never really have gone away from providing that service. So we're not selling a technology; we're providing a service. So the technology is applied where it's beneficial. And that has to be your sort of, your underlying approach when you're going into a new organization. So say I would go to a new hospital and they are in Australia, for example, there's a lot of outsourcing. People are dictating audio files. They go into this sort of server environment. They get downloaded, they get sent somewhere in India. No one has any visibility of this until the document comes back. And we're hoping that that document is pretty good and someone reviews it, signs off, and then it goes on to the medical record and it gets sent out to GPs, patients, all this kind of stuff. If we were coming into that scenario, the first thing we would do is we would 100% replicate that. So we would upgrade the solution without any change management in terms of behavior. What that means is where the doctor's used to dictate and they might be dictating into a, you know, dictation devices and things like this. We'd encourage them to start using the mobile apps because the, you know, the patient identification piece is better, or we still support, if you really want to use your old device, we'll support that and you'd go away. So there's no change from the doctor. They still dictate their note. It then goes through to the, whether it's the outsourcing or whether it's the internal typists, it goes through the speech recognition first. So it goes through the speech recognition. And again, there's no change in terms of behavior. This is just an automation piece and we pre-process all those files. And that gives us, as I said, about a 70% efficiency increase, which then in an outsourcing scenario is layered into cost. So we can provide the outsourcing piece a lot cheaper than traditional outsourcing because we're not really trying to make money on the service, you know? And then when the documents have been outsourced, because it's a cloud-based platform, they're all visible within the hospital. You can access this at any time. You have full transparency. You can see things. You can start to prioritize things. We build in robotic process automation stuff as well. So if you have resources, disparate resources split over maybe different sites, you can share work and work is sort of automatically distributed more evenly, which means you make better use of the resources that you have. So that documentation piece, that whole production of the document from the audio get expedited and gets drawn in. So your turnaround times are quicker. You have less backlogs. You're able to support more clinical services with less admin resource and it's done at cheaper cost. And then all of that comes back to the clinicians. They can approve those documents on their app, on the web. We make that piece more accessible. So there's no longer this stack of paper that they have to sign. They don't have to go and log into a terminal in the hospital to approve their, their letters. This can be done on the fly. So they get like a little notification on their phone. They can view the letter and sign it there and then. And, you know, that could be based on priority. So they go, I only want to see the high priority ones on my phone and everything else I'll deal with. You can really sort of have a flexible solution there. But again, that expedites that bit. And then we distribute them electronically. We log on the documents rather than creating a Word document. It's all structured data. So it looks like a Word document. So again, there's no behavioral change. There's no massive change management in terms of what your templates look like, what your documents look like, what's being sent out, all of this kind of But because we have a structured document within our editor, which is made to look like a Word document, we can start to capture things like recipients. So I have a primary recipient and I have multiple copies. And then I know how many of those are, let's say in an Australian context, how many of them are on HealthLink? Do I have my CCing internal consultants? So can I email it to you rather than sending it out in the post for it to come back here? You know, all of these kind of things. So it, it expedites and it, it just brings in this whole solution. It automates all of those individually 
quite labor intensive touch points. And then you can start to bring people on that journey towards more software. So you can start to show them the speech recognition, the real time stuff, and you let people adopt it on a phased basis as and when, rather than going this big bang change yeah. management. Yeah. I mean, so true. The implementation part of any technology, particularly in a healthcare setting requires a lot of thought and where you don't need to disrupt the workflow up front, then the more you can do behind the scenes to have a phased approach to, to bringing it over, it's helpful for everyone. And particularly in this current environment globally, it's always been the case, but even more so today in terms of the frontline workforce, the pressures that are faced on them, all of those elements that you mentioned in terms of the time-consuming aspects, the non-value-adding work in inverted commas, it's all value-adding stuff. But in terms of the role that they're there to do, I think if you've got something that can automate, take that load off and do that in a cost-effective and scalable way from the healthcare provider's point of view, then there's a lot of wins there. Yeah, absolutely. We, we kind of spoke offline about whenever you go to conferences, everyone's talking about codified data and how we can analyze all this stuff that we're going to put into data lakes and things like this. And then you go into the real world and people are still sort of doing all these manual processes and there's no codified data, there's no data because there's no time to produce data. There's this massive disconnect between the idealistic view of healthcare data and how we can capture all this rich contextualized data and then use that to improve patient care without realizing that the act of capturing that is actually disimproving patient care because your doctors are burnt out. They spend less time with patients, more time documenting stuff. And someone needs to kind of join the dots and someone needs to kind of say, well, how can we make that technology piece less invasive? No, right on. Just thinking too, you're joining this call from Dublin. I'm here in Sydney. You've mentioned a fair bit about the Australian health market. It sounds like you've got a bit of a global presence at TPRO. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we're obviously, uh, start in Ireland and expanded to the UK pretty quickly. We've 650 organizations worldwide now use the platform. We completed uh, an acquisition in Australia last year, a company called Cyberscribe down in Melbourne. That's gone really well for us just in terms of expanding into not just Australia, but also New Zealand. We're starting to pick up a bit of business in Singapore and Southeast Asia as well. And Australia is really our kind of our hub for that. The Australian market, I think, is very similar, both in terms of how healthcare is provisioned, funded, and the, kind of the politics around it and things like that to the UK and Ireland, less so than, say, the States, uh, which is just a, di a different model of care. This world of speech recognition technology, you've already opened my eyes a little bit to what it is. And I think many that might only know it at a surface level, whether it's they've just used the device or seen it being used before. It sounds like in terms of where that space is heading, it's a lot more these days than just talking to a machine and then it magically types it on the screen. T tell me about some of the advancements that we're seeing in this speech recognition space, particularly in the healthcare side. Yeah, absolutely. So as you kind of mentioned there, there's probably the talk and it types is the fundamental piece. Number one, you have to get that sort of reasonable level of accuracy. To get that to a reasonable level of accuracy, you have to recognize what someone's saying and then kind of contextualize it a little bit. And there's a little bit of post-processing that goes on. So you can do things like, okay, I want milligrams to be represented as MG, for example, just real basic sort of formatting and things like this. You can then start to layer on other 
models and stuff. So typically when doctors are dictating, they just have a stream of consciousness. So they won't dictate punctuation, full stops, new paragraphs, things like this. So you might layer on a model which predicts punctuation. It looks at loads of documents and it creates this language model where it's like, you know, word, 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 punctuation, word, 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 punctuation. And then it inserts your full stops, commas, new paragraphs. It recognizes when things are headings and things like this, and maybe bolts them or applies styles for headings. And that's the kind of the next level. So you have this talk and type is level one, and then talk and produce what you actually want to see on the screen is, is level two. You then look at sort of medical documents and typically you'd have your let's say your stream of consciousness is, is a narrative and you have your narrative and then what the medical secretaries are doing and the typists are doing is they pull out things like diagnosis medications and they put them in lists so they go all right well, this is a problem list and i'm gonna i'm gonna add my problem list here and i'm gonna add a medications list there you know and so can we do the same thing so again it's just adding another you know you're just processing the text and it's another model and what that model does is it uses let's say ICD-10 or SLOMED or one of these ontologies and it recognizes problems and it says that's a problem you know that's a problem that's a problem that's a problem and it does some clever stuff around what's called assertion negation the patient has no sign of cancer versus the patient has cancer two very different things so you, you need to know if the patient has a problem if they used to have a problem if the patient's mother used to have the problem all of these kind of things so it's that clever kind of NLP stuff and then you can identify problems and you can codify them and you can put those in a, in a structured data list. So then you have your narrative document and your structured data. This is all the journey, you know, that you take people on. So they're going from outsourcing through to how can you get to this sort of piece. And then the sort of the next step and the stuff that we're doing, which is we have a lot of kind of academic partners and some of our clients would sign up to do a sort of a joint project with the university and us and, and what we're looking at is, okay, well, can I produce a structured note from listening rather than from a dictation? And in that, that's, in that instance, you might have something which is structured as in a, like a soap note. So you have your subjective objective assessment plan within subjective, there are subsections. So you have like presenting complaint, history, social, all this kind of stuff. What we're looking at now is what's the best way was the most efficient, was the least invasive way to produce a note that's usable for doctors. Uh, and what we're kind of finding is that maybe it's kind of this multimodal thing. So we started off and saying, well, can we actually just record the encounter? So we just record the patient doctor consultation. And we have one model that just goes, that's the doctor talking, that's the patient talking, that's the doctor talking, and it diarizes it. And then you have another model which does all of that clever abstraction stuff and it classifies all of these, what we call utterances, but are basically sentences. Each sentence is classified with subjective, objective assessment plan, different sections. And then it uses sort of language summarization techniques to produce. So you know you have all these bots writing articles for blogs and things like this. Now, it's essentially the same thing. So you take all of that input information, which is, you know, the structure of what's been said. So I've got my original transcript, then I have my uh, classified sentences. So I know what section it goes into. And then I summarize all those different sentences and I make sure I've got the key elements, which are my kind of codified information in there. And I produce this document. And then there's that, but also what we're finding is that clinicians do want to be able to kind of talk. So it becomes more of an assistive technology. If you imagine kind of Alexa, they might say, you know, we're listening on a conversation, producing this document. And then they say, you know, hey, T-Pro, can you order this medication 25 milligrams twice daily? So what we did before 
was we tried to automate as much as possible the paradigm of dictation and producing documents. And then this is changing that paradigm from active dictation into passive note-taking. And then a, a doctor, rather than having to do a three-minute dictation at the end of each consultation, does a quick one-minute review of what's been produced. So you're saving them 60% of their time documentation. That's where things are going. But there's, there's this huge sort of step change all the way up from the outsourcing, as I say, and then the people currently do it. The majority of people haven't really embraced speech recognition just in their talk and type piece. So that level one hasn't even been really introduced yet into a lot of hospitals. So you're going from outsourcing through to speech recognition, through to improving that whole documentation piece, through to producing structured content and more valuable content without disimproving the lives of clinicians and the people using it. And then you can start to do some of this cool, sexy stuff, which is, you know, that's where all the R&D money goes. Yeah. Hey, I really like that. That whole progressive, the way you think about it in a progressive, you know, step change, it's much more approachable for different health systems that are looking at, maybe they do want to get to that end state where doctors can call for an intelligent assistant and, and get there one day, but knowing full well today that there are some clinicians that, you know, still know, like wouldn't be ready for that from the outset. So bringing everyone along with that journey in that way is really important. Absolutely. You know, real life problems. Like they've got a backlog of, you know, eight weeks of letters that haven't been typed. The need to go out because a GP needs to know what's happening with a patient. You know, it's just real world stuff. Kind of, you know, the super medical Alexa stuff is all some Star Trek. But eventually you will get there, but you need to deal with the real stuff now. Good for conferences though. But the, lastly, <laughs> Jonathan, uh, look, so, you know, we've talked a bit about the technology side and the exciting opportunity that exists there. What's going to be keeping you busy at T-Pro? What, what's on the plate? What's on the horizon over the next 6, 12, 24? What can we look forward to seeing? Well, I, I hope to go to Australia, especially as you're coming in summer now. Yep. It's time to come over now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll be getting over there. I hope you're doing a lot more business in Sydney. Actually, a lot of our stuff is based in Melbourne and Victoria now. So we're actively hiring and expanding. We've also won a couple of contracts in New Zealand. So getting over to New Zealand, a couple of sort of big things there, just to spend a bit of time and grow the business in, in that region. And then just, you know, the day to day here is ongoing, making sure we don't crash and burn this side when I'm uh, sunning myself on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> Need the contingencies and the, the medical exactly. Alexas to cover you while you're there. But look, I really enjoyed this conversation. Jonathan, I'll put the details for T-Pro in the show notes of the episode for people to check out, learn more, and links to those case studies and everything else will be in that article too on our website through to yours. So Jonathan, I appreciate you making the time to come and have a chat on the show. Look forward to seeing you when you're in Australia. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Before you go, just a reminder to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe and watch some episodes there. There are podcast episodes, summit sessions, and a bunch of other interesting content on our channel. You can just search Talking Health Tech in the YouTube app or click on the link in the show notes of your podcast player, and it should just take you straight there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.